Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. Delicious. Today is Friday, February 21st, and I'm less ranty today. I'm resigned. Well, kind of. I'm. If you listen to yesterday's podcast, I was um, talking about this unfair extortionate practice by dollar rental car so i'm going to pay my money since they have me over a barrel with threatening threatening to ruin my credit score and i'm going to send letters i'm going to write letters and i will post them to social media as well which may be slightly more coherent um, it's amazing to me that these corporations are able to do this to us. But such is the world we live in right now, right? Not really a democracy much at all. And corporations are able to use this leverage over us. Um, brings to mind many other incidences in history. So I have some exciting news to announce. I've known about this for some time, but I now have the go-ahead to um, go public with it, as it were. Um, we are going to be doing another midwinter holiday anthology. Yay! It's... um going to be in the vein of Amid the Winter Snow and Seasons of Sorcery, more like Amid the Winter Snow in that the novellas will be focused on the midwinter holiday again. It's going to be called Under a Winter Sky. Under a Winter Sky. And it will have a cover by Raven, which will show you much later in the year as we start to get closer. We're looking at putting this out probably in November sometime. Um, of course, more details as we get closer. But I'm super excited because my collaborators this time are, as always, the inimitable Grace Draven, since she and I partner on these projects and invite other people to do them. Uh, we are also be joined by Leslie Penelope, yay, whom I mention often on this podcast. Um, writes as El Penelope, writes wonderful fantasy, um, and she is going to be doing a novella from her world. And then our fourth person is Melissa Marr. Yes, I am... Um, I'm still having a little bit of fangirl uh, quakes over this one. I only recently got to know Melissa Marr online and in a private Facebook group that I'm in. And I was like, oh, Melissa Marr, <laughs> can, can, I, can I sniff in your general direction? Um, I've been reading Melissa Marr for a very long time, longer than I've been writing fiction. And I really very much admire her. So... I was um, super excited when she was like, yes, yes, I want to do that project. I think it's going to be awesome, you guys. I mean, I know that that's the standard line, and I would say it even if I didn't believe it, but I, uh, I think that this is going to be a really terrific combination of voices. I think that uh, the way we all tell stories 
and um, themes and so forth. I think this is just going to be a stunning collection, and I can't wait to see what everybody does. Uh, what am I going to do? I do not yet know. Um, hopefully that's not loud. I don't know if you guys can hear that background noise. Um, David is taking a shower and the plumbing is on the other side of where I'm sitting. I guess we don't normally have that happen. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be on brand, right? Part of the wrangling. So, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, partly, I've got to see how the year plays out a little bit. It's amazing to me that other people are able to plan ahead as much as they are. Like, like Leslie Penelope, this woman's an overachiever, people. <laughs> She's like, oh, I've already drafted my novella. <laughs> I just have to put on the finishing touches. I'm like, it's not even due until <laughs> October, which is like years from now. I think Leslie and I have a very different perception of time. Uh, Grace is on the other end of the spectrum from me, where she's like, yeah, I'll be turning. Although she's, she knows what she's going to do, too. Normally, she's like, yeah, I'll be writing mine until um, 30 minutes before it's due, and then I'll email it to you and be quickly fixing typos and send you another version. <laughs> but this time, she has already partially written her story. She is going to include Gaslight Videos in this collection. Um, so for those of you who loved Gaslight Hades, this is her long-awaited follow-up story to that. And she realized that it would absolutely fit theme, and she's got it partially written, and she can get it in there. So she's way ahead. Um, now, Melissa, Melissa turns out is my tribe because she's like, she doesn't know what she's going to write yet. <laughs> For me, this is my plan. This is how my year is going to go. And for those of you who have been wondering about is the fate to talk, blah, blah, blah. If you have been coherently and articulately wondering if this is the end of the fate of the Tala, if that is the end of the Twelve Kingdoms and Uncharted Realms world, no, it is not. It is... Intended to be the culmination of Andy's arc and the conflict with Dare. Dare. I can't quite roll my R's like the Desnarians do. Dare. Anyway, those of you who have read the book, read The Fate of the Tala, know that there was a key, not key, a significant plot thread that was not tied up. Um, and it has to do with Iveriel and her return to the Dasnarian Empire. And I feel like this is not spoilery. I'm sorry if any of you are clapping your hands over your ears. Put your hands back on the steering wheel, please. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I won't say anything more than that. Uh, the novella is going to be called The Lost Princess Returns. And it is going to tell this final story of that will wind up the end of the Chronicles of Desneria, picks up at the end of the Fate of the Tala. As soon as I am done writing The Promised Queen, I am going to write uh, The Lost Princess Returns. 
and I'm going to hopefully get that out in May or June. It kind of depends on how long The Lost Princess takes me, if other things come up, um, but Raven is also so booked up that she's not able to do a cover for me, and I really want a cover with Iberial on it. And so, so that's our, our limiting reagent there. Then, if I do not have any other projects pending, my plan is to go ahead and write the, at least a trilogy. I think it's a trilogy that will include the next generation, as it were. So, Aster and Stella, young Selena, Zinda's kid, Andy's kid, and another one. Um... I'm trying to decide if I should tell you who it's going to be. I might leave that secret. I know who it's going to be. So those six are going to go on a major quest. And there will be hijinks and various pairings ensuing. And I think it will be super fun. And if all goes well, I'm going to get those out um, starting, you know, like, maybe every two to three months, summer, fall, winter. <coughs> At one point, Corrine, who knew about this plan, had suggested that there be four books. She'd like come up with enough people that it should be eight of them instead of six, and which really threw my whole plan in the works because I was really going to try and do a trilogy this time, you guys. I was going to stick to the trilogy. Although, I have to point out, Forgotten Empires will be a trilogy. I am absolutely, with this third book, winding up uh, this particular arc. It's a little easier to do this time, since it's all three books are Khan and Leah. So, I, I am learning to stick to three books. But I really wanted to do that with Esther and Stella's Adventures. So... When Corrine suggested a fourth book, that kind of threw a wrench in the works. Although, it's possible that that fourth story, that novella, could be the one that goes into Under a Winter Sky. I could see that working. Kind of depends on how I've done with getting the other books out. Where I am in the, the reader perception of time, right? Because I don't want to put out a novella that is released before. You know what I'm talking about. It's got to fit the timeline of the other books. Um, I could also do a story with Ayala, which is something that I was planning to do. I might see what happens after I've written The Lost Princess Returns and see what becomes of Ayla. I might be able to do something with her. In all fairness, Kareen has been heavily campaigning for a Zero novella. Um, in fact, every time I say that I don't know what I'm doing for Under a Winter Sky, she sends me emails saying Zero novella. 
So, yeah, I mean, if you all want to campaign for your own people, be aware that she is using her inside track. So, you know, strategize accordingly. <laughs> um, it's not that I am averse to doing a zero novella. I just don't have, it's not clicking with anything inside. I'm, I don't have an idea yet. So for me, really, I have to think about one book at a time. Some people I know can work on multiple projects. I am really uh, immersed in my world and in my story kind of gal. So once I'm done with Promised Queen, I'm going to shift over to writing The Lost Princess Returns. Have that out May, June, something like that. By the time I am done with that, I think I will know what I'm going to try to write for the um, Under a Winter Sky. But, you know, I haven't planned to write that in, like, August or September. <laughs> so um, I am not the overachiever. I bet Leslie was one of those kids who, like, had her report done for school, her paper done for school, like, a week ahead of time or something like that. Um, I was the one who stayed up all night the night before it was due and writing it. And I typed it straight on my typewriter. My brother Correctronic, which was so awesome because I could auto-correct an entire line the days before word processing, you guys. And I would just type and type it out and turn it in. <laughs> I was um, not a... what I can't remember what the word Leslie uses for herself. Um, something like... It's not compliant, is it? She said something about it. She loves to follow rules. And I am like the opposite of that. I am like, fuck the rules. I'll just write it the night before. I don't really plan it that way, but that's how I used to fight against it in college. I really did. I tried to do better. And now that I know how I write books, it's like, oh, this is clearly just how I do things. And, and you know what I say, learn what your process is, own it. Um, don't change it up just because somebody else says it's not a good process, right? And that, that goes for Leslie, too. And it goes for Grace. Um, and other people, even, you know, like uh, Dorinda is far worse than I am, you know, of being very, very far behind deadline and, you know, killing herself to, you know, staying up for nights and nights on end. Um, but it produces the books. And, and in the end, that was, that's all that matters. So, let's see. Uh, further updates on me. I did not um, get 3,000 words yesterday. Yesterday was a little bit more rickety day. Um, it was slower words in the morning before I went to Ryder Coffee. I mean, I know I got like my 1,500 before I went, but it, it really was... You know, not clear. I worked for two hours and clearly was not getting my thousand words an hour there. Um, it was actually a little shy of 1500. It was more like 1300. And after I got, I worked for another half an hour and I was just not feeling it. And it, it was like, yeah, that's done. So I'm hoping for 3000 today, but um, I've already written more words on the book this week than I did last week. So I probably won't push it too hard. I'll see how, how it, flows, but I'm considering I'm still 
um, leveling up, reaching that level of training. Uh, I am excited about the secret project. I've been putting stuff together for that. Yesterday evening, went out for drinks and dinner with the fabulous Megan Mulry. It was lovely to see her. Uh, and she may, I may have enticed her into some secret project stuff. It'd be nice to have uh, Megan doing some writing again, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, yep, I think I'm going to get to it. I'm having lunch with uh, Terry Beth Cheneau, uh from Bubonicon today, I think, unless she cancels on me yet again. I think she won't because she's hoping to get her paper copy of the Fiery Crown arc to read over the weekend. So she has an ulterior motive now. And um, Sefwa Ops call this afternoon. Things I think are going okay in Sefwa. I'm, you know, could talk about some of the stuff going on with RWA, the uh, auditor's report came in, and it basically confirms what, what I suspected all along. And I think what I've been saying on here, the and I speak auditor, so I guess that's part of it, having been one myself, you know, that there was a massive breakdown in policies, that they had conflicting policies, that the board had misunderstood policies. Um, the If you go into the the detailed report where they break down what happened in that executive session and why the board voted the way they did. Um, the The board was not given the documentation. So they were kind of railroaded. Um, I, I'm not going to touch like how much of it was malice. Uh, I, I think at this point, <laughs> it's just... Um, I'd rather focus on going forward. That's I feel like the the bad players have been removed, their actions have been exposed to the light. I think that the the problem to address at this point is fixing those policies and procedures so that the organization can run on a stable footing. I do know from having served on CEFWA board and other boards, you know, that when you do stuff in executive session, that is not just licensed to say anything. And I think that occasionally people try to use it that way. When we have executive session and CEFWA, which is actually very rare, but we make sure that, um, that everything that can be transparent is, and that, there is the the legal footing to make the decisions, both within our bylaws and within our policies and procedures and within the greater framework of state and federal law. You know, that's what, I know I'm an idealist. I, I, I can't seem to shake it, but you know, that's why we have laws is to create that um, framework that is supposed to remove personal bias and human emotion. It's not 100% effective because we still have humans involved. But that's what RWA needs is this to establish a better framework and to to move the organization forward. Um, yeah, I, 
at this point, there's so much emotion involved and people hurling accusations and turning it into a battle of personalities. Like, well, if you, you, if you support such and so, then you have to think this, that, and the other. And I'm looking at it from an organizational standpoint. Um, in some ways, I don't care about the personalities involved because a professional organization should provide that framework, that scaffolding, that foundation that allows the organization to exist and to contain the personalities moving through it. So that's what I would like to see happen. So we'll be electing a new board. I will be look. That's how I will be looking at the candidates is who is committed to creating that framework. And well, like that there. So I believe I shall go on my way, get my words in. I hope you all have a fabulous weekend. Uh, I would say it's it's not the last weekend in February, right? Because we have Leap Day next Saturday, special Leap Day. Um, I, I, it just feels magical to me. It's the extra day. Makes up for the fact that we will be losing an hour when we have the stupid time change in a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, always the, the bad with the good, the good with the bad. So I will talk to you all on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. If you want to listen to some other podcasts, First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and there are other podcasts that you might love. Uh, go look for them at frolic.media slash podcasts. And rock your bad selves, huh? Talk to you all on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.